This is CliffCentral.com. Hello and welcome to another podcast of In Conference with Michael Jackson here on your favorite podcast platform. This is CliffCentral.com, uncensored, unscripted, unradio. And I'm delighted that Cliff Central gave me this platform as a professional speaker to bring you on this show the people that I'm privileged to meet and sometimes work with on the professional conference circuit. I've done over 2,500 conferences. I've met an incredible amount of people. You know that some of the best of them tend to be South African homegrown talent, gracing stages and business boardrooms all over the world. Our guest on this episode is no different. In fact, I'm almost doing reverence and bowing down before the microphone. We're going to be talking to the founder of the speaking industry in this country. He's a man who's got an award named after him. I've never spoken to an award live before. His name is Steph Duplessis. What he did for the Professional Speaking Association, developing it, tying it into the National Speakers Association in America, the PSA in Europe, has been phenomenal. He is, and I'm not going to insult him by saying the grandfather of professional speaking, but what the hell, he's a bit older than me anyway. Joining us from a secret location somewhere in the universe via Skype, Steph Duplessis. How the hell was that for an intro? Michael, your enthusiasm weighs me down, buddy. <laughs> if, if I had your resonance and your enthusiasm, I would add two zeros to my fees. <laughs> You're already making millions as it is. What have you been up to? What are you doing as beyond being the father of the speaking industry, sir? Michael, same stuff. I work with Steve Simpson, my partner in Australia. And we continue to work with organizations, helping them to engage their people and to um, crank up workplace culture. You've done that on stage in the past. You've got a very, very good business doing that right now. Employee engagement or employment engagement is a hot potato right now, really, isn't it? Yeah, let's, let's, get, let's go there. Um, let's, let's, previously, we spoke about the um, culture transformation stuff. Let's talk about employee engagement. You know, um, I, th- I think that there isn't an enterprise in business today that is not facing many of the same challenges of constant change, better ways of doing things, cutting margins, all of the stuff that goes with it. Anyone listening to that to this will be able to make a list of 10 things. Um, and it's taking your employees together with you on that journey that really becomes the, 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 the challenge. If you can do that, you can ace anything in business today, I think. Your thoughts? Yeah, look, it's a very tough economy. I've set out publicly in early January. I think this is going to be one of the toughest years ever. I see people, as probably you do, scratching their heads going, I can outline the problems. How the hell do I solve them, Steph? Uh, Yeah, but there's a step before that. Um, The question is not how do we solve them. The question is how do we take our people on the journey towards solving them? Lovely. So working in the UK um, with – I I know that you've done some work for them as well, the Academy of Chief Executives – just for those listening who don't know about it, a, um, an environment within which MDs and CEOs meet regularly. And you, like I, have worked with many of those groups. I asked those guys, I have 10 MDs in a room. I often ask them, so what's the call to action? If you were on a soapbox standing in front of your people this morning and you had to motivate and inspire them to come on this journey with you with renewed vigor, what is the call to action? And typically, you know as well as I do, the answers to that question are things like, Revenue, customer satisfaction, margins, being competitive. And I just want to reach for an air sick bag at that point because those, those are not the motivators that drive people. Um, I, I think it's a deeper conversation than that. What's your experience um, when it comes to what 
leaders think it is that calls their people to action. Mm, I mean, I've, I've got to concur with it. I'm sitting here listening to you mesmerized as I always am when I listen. You know, taking people with you is obviously of paramount importance. Most businesses are piss poor at it. Well, they use the wrong call to action because people sit in the room listening to that call to action and they, like me, want to reach for an ASIC bag. I mean, they've had enough. Um, I think Maslow was right. Maslow um, at least got it right when he said there's certain things that have to be in place before other things can get in place. And I think if people are not coping with their everyday environment, they cannot become an integral part in the workplace. I think that it's the personal journey that, that precedes the work journey. Um, I've, I've got this little thing called the life score. We've developed a mechanism, a tool with which to meet, measure it. Um, we based what we did in that domain on something called the ISAC, the Inventory of Self-Actualizing Characteristics, which was previously based by a guy in the UK on Maslow's original work. And what we do is try and help people to gauge how it's going with their life overall. And if you did it on the scale of 1 to 10, where 1 really sucked, 10 was awesome, 5 was getting by, and 8 was good enough, the scores over tens of thousands of people who we've assessed come in somewhere between 4.7 and like 6.2. Wow. Um, by, by definition, these folk are saying that um, they're just not coping. And until we give people the capacity to change that, until we put in place authentic leadership that will inspire people to um, transform that life score, nothing is going to change in the workplace. And I think that call to action can be based on Frankel's work. Um, I'm going to struggle to recall it verbatim now, but Frankel's primary cornerstone was the concept that our primary motivation or drive is to seek and find purpose and meaning for our lives. I get that. I, I get that loud and clear. But most people, as you say, are in that situation where they're in a state of dislike rather than like where they are, where their company is, what they're doing with their own lives. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Here's where we have the opportunity. And this is what 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 um, we Steve and I help clients to unpack. I think the opportunity lies in the fact that the um, of the things that influence your life score, how it's going with your life. The, the one that has the greatest impact on that is how it's going at work. If your job sucks, your life sucks. The end. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. So when we wake people up to this realization, um, they, they get that if they can transform the way they do their jobs and engage with the people in and around the workplace, they get that they can um, crank up their life score, which is their most important drive. So just back quickly to that uh, notion of Frankel's. I think it sits together with the notion that we have – intrinsic um, human needs. We want to be liked and loved. We want to like and love other people back. One of the things we crave is doing meaningful work. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's volumes of Google this. Anyone listening, Google it. There are volumes of um, case studies um, showing that people want their work to matter. People, Michael, people are willing to work for less pay if they can get to do more important work. I know sure. that sounds like a flippant statement, but if work doesn't have meaning, People don't get into it. No, I can see um, people nodding their heads in the podcast world with everything that you're saying. So in the few minutes we have left, let's quickly tie all of this together so that it becomes helpful to those people who are listening. Um, I think we need to help people to connect the dots between how they do their job and how the rest of their life is going. I um, uh, Anecdotally, I hope we have the time to squeeze this in quickly. Um, Michael, you, you, I'm going blind here and I don't want to catch you unawares, buddy, but, but humor me here quickly. Go. Um, Michael, do you know people? Go fast. Yes. You know people that you like? Yes. You know people that you care about? Yes. 
You know, people that you care about enough that you'd give them a kidney if they needed it. Mm, yes. You know, people that you care about enough that you would give them both kidneys if they needed. Don't mm-hmm. answer. You <laughs> okay. might get in trouble. With people. Exactly. But Michael, if you could put names on those lists, it would be a pretty short list. Yes or no? I fit on one finger. And those, the people on that list don't typically work in the same workspace as you, do they? They certainly don't. I mean, when colleagues, when people in the workplace look left and right, they're not seeing their kidney recipients in the cubicle next to them. That's so very here's the true. Snack. Here's the snag. The people we work with are pedestrians in our lives. The people that we encounter in the workplace, including our boss, ain't getting a kidney from us. We need to gain clarity on what's really important. And what's important to us is our relationship with our kidney recipients. And when employees and employers can level about the fact that work is not the most important thing in their life, it becomes a departure point for them creating an environment within which people can truly build the capacity to use their workspace with which to improve their life score. Now, I've just connected a whole lot of dots from a longer conversation in a short bit here. I hope that makes sense to listeners um, from a different angle. If we can recognize that people don't come to work every day because of the outputs that they deliver there, that people don't really care about the value. Michael, like you, I've worked in hundreds, if not thousands of organizations. I, I see the value posters on the walls and um, on the brass plaques at the front doors of every enterprise I ever go to. People don't. I learned in Ireland, buddy, that if you add an E, it's not a cuss word. So I hope we get away with this one. People don't give a shite. There's an E at the end. Can you hear it? I'm loud and clear with you. People don't give a shite about the, 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 the value statements of the workplace that they work in. They give a lot about the people that they um, put on their kidney recipient list. And the value statements at work is just a vehicle with which to create a life that can add purpose and meaning, that can give me the sense that my work matters and that my contribution counts, so that tonight when I drag myself home empty from having given everything I have to give to the pedestrians in my life, I can remind myself as to why I do this why I do the job I do and how that fits in with my relationships with my kidney recipients. Sounds a little bit waffly there, but in the hundreds of organizations that we've helped to put this in place, um, we see it through measurement improving. And then we can draw parallels. Michael, do you remember I spoke about that thing called the life score earlier, how one's life is going? Yeah. We draw parallels between the current life scores of the people in the enterprise and the other key measures on the important matrix, stuff like outputs and results and achievement of targets and revenue and strategic execution. And we can draw parallels between the life scores and organizational outcomes. And we can draw parallels between improvements in life score and improvements in workplace outputs. And the correlation is phenomenal. You crank up the life score of the people in the workplace just a little bit. It has a disproportionate impact on how it goes with, um, with, with workplace results. I don't know. We have two minutes, three minutes in hand. Um, you you want to come up with a question here that might help contextualize this for your listeners? I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you going expert. Wow. Unbelievable. Common sense. Real world stuff. Where the hell do I sign up? Well, I'm just reading from the script here on my computer screen. Oh, so, so you prepared for this interview? <laughs> no, it's the standard script. I never you know, do that. that. It's the script, Michael. I'm taking the mickey here. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, there's broad context to this. Michael, um, you know where to find me. People can find me through you. 
Um, somebody wants to reach out to me, let them get hold of you. You'll point them in my direction. How's that? I'll do that with absolute pleasure. And, of course, Cliff Central will podcast this everywhere, as we all will. Um, Steph Duplessis, though, I mean, all people have to do is Google you. Type in Steph Duplessis employee engagement. This guy's an expert. When you're an expert, Google finds you. Um, you don't have to give out websites. You can if you want to, Steph. But you know what? It's just you're the acknowledged leader and expert in this. It's not hard to see why you were the founder of what thousands of people do for a living today, the speaking industry in, in our part of the world or our side of where the sun shines on the planet at a given point in time. I'm not only liking this, I'm loving it. And I know that you eat your own lunch. Google Steph Duplessis. Is there more to be said? Michael, you, um, let's just um, equal this a little bit. You, thanks for the, for, the, for, the, um, for the recognition on the speaker thing. Um, you know that it's a journey undertaken by many people. In fact, you forget that you were there yourself in the early days sitting around the tables when we planned how to figure it out. Um, I'm by no means the, the, the pivot of the, of, the, of the original speaking industry um, in, in, in this country. I stood on the shoulders of giants that went before me, but we don't have the, the, the time to unpack that. Um, Michael, I'd love to um, engage with folk who want to talk about how they can get their people engaged to a point where we can actually assess it, measure it, influence it, draw parallels back to their workplace results, and actually show them a return on investment. Um, look me up. Michael, I think our time here is done, buddy. Pretty much. I mean, I just wanted to close it by saying you opened by talking about my passion. Listen, I've just been sitting here on this side of the studio, Mike, listening to your passion. If you want an expert on employee engagement, you would be a fool if you looked anywhere else than Steph Duplessis and his partner in Australia's business. They're all over the globe. They're based here in Joburg in South Africa. Look the guy up. Go Google Steph Duplessis. In fact, if you're listening in a car, stop your car now and go and Google Steph Duplessis. How's that for an endorsement? Michael, <laughs> you should should quit your day job and come, <laughs> come and handle my sales, buddy. Hey, it was listen. cool catching up with you. Always nice to speak. Okay. And we've got 30 seconds left. How does it feel to have an award named after you? Tell me the truth. Yeah, I'd rather tell you other stuff. I'd I'd like to try and make this helpful in the 26 seconds that are left back to that thing of pursuing purpose and meaning. Um, Frankel said you can find it in one of two ways. Commit yourself to a purpose greater than yourself or surrender yourself to someone other than yourself. Do those two things in the workplace. Influence the potential of your people and build great companies. You've just Michael, have a lack of day, buddy. You've been listening to a man who eats his own lunch. Have a great day. Steph Duplessis, pleasure, privilege to have him on the show. We're back on the next podcast next week, but we're all over the internet whenever you want us. This is In Conference with Michael Jackson. From me and my guest, thank you and goodbye. Cliff Central. The revolution. I've got something important to tell you.